All right. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your good word. And I just ask God that now you would um, open it to us, open us to your word. Uh, Let us see the things that you want us to see. Uh, And I pray, Father, that this would just be your time, that your people would be blessed. And I pray, God, that you would just guide us as we walk through uh, this passage. And I ask it for your glory and pray that your glory would be uh, even palpable today. Send your spirit to teach us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so a few weeks ago, I uh, had to write for the uh, Bible in a Year blog, uh, which is on our website. We've been, uh, since September, so we've um, been blogging through the Bible in a year. Some of you have been following that. And... Um, and some of you have not, and that's that's fine. But anyway, so I had to um, I had to uh, I had to blog th- uh, blog on John five and six, and I man, I, it just it was so rich. And as it ha- it happened, when you're, you're supposed to blog on two to three chapters a day in six hundred words, we can't cover everything. And I didn't I didn't cover everything in that blog post, but I just thought, man, this would be a great series uh, of things to teach and um, because there's just so much uh, here and um, and so then Gil asked you do if I had a, a four-week series in me and so I thought well let's just let's go back to John 5 and 6 so there's no, nothing really uh, other than I thought that was incredible and then that one sort of time that I was reading it to go through that there's no there's no real agenda um, and uh, but what's there's a lot of really interesting things uh, about uh, this passage, this this five and six, Bo, man, I saved you a seat right here on the front row. We've got we've, we're, we're kindred spirits here. We've got got our boots. So um, yeah. Um. So um, you know. So that's really why we're why I'm doing this. So um, it'll be this week, next week. I think we'll take a week off from Memorial Day and two weeks after that. Um, just working through John 5 and 6. Um, so today we have uh, the man who was uh, healed at the pool of Bethesda. Um, Bethesda. So that's, uh, uh, we're going to just read uh, read through that. We're in John 5. Oh, that's John 3. Uh, John 5, uh, 1 through, was it 17? So, hey, honey. All right. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, take your mat, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, 
Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. And afterward Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My Father is working until now, and I am working. Man, there is a lot. There's a lot in that passage. Um, we are all... Uh, one of the main ingredients in, in an abundant life, Jesus said uh, in our passage, our gospel passage this morning, I came that you might have life and have it to the full and have life and have it abundantly. Um, one, of the, one of the ingredients in an abundant life is hope. Is hope. Knowing um, that your circumstances are uh, going to get better uh, and if not in this life, in the next, uh, we, we have, um, we need uh, hope, and I think that's I think we that's part of being made in the image of God, part of being fallen creatures who were made in the image of God. I, I think that we were created for for more. We're created for perfection, and so when we experience something less than than perfection, something less than a um, an intimate walk with the Lord, uh, that we we long for something more. We long for something uh, better than we have. We um, and God grants us uh, hope. And yet, uh, this passage is, is, in a sense, is full of hope, but we also see the end of hopelessness uh, in it. Uh, this man who has been uh, laying there, well, he's probably not laying at the pool for 38 years, but he's been an invalid, as described, for 38 years, which is really, honestly, longer than many people in that period even lived. Um, and so, uh, needless to say, he, is, he has been an invalid for a long, long time, which is... Uh, which is really a generic term uh, for he was um, he was handicapped. He he was uh, probably paralyzed because he couldn't get down to the pool. You may have noticed that verse four is missing, um, and that is because there um, th- there were some uh, textual things that probably were added, uh, and uh, and you can find it in the footnote, which I'll have to read in a better light, uh, real small. It says. Um, uh, some manuscripts uh, insert wholly or in part. So this is a right at the end of verse 3. So blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. And whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. So that's, the reason it's not in there is because, you know, as we've discovered more uh, manuscripts since, uh, since probably the King James or maybe even the Latin Vulgate before that, um, the uh, and, and we've discovered more manuscripts. We manuscripts. We've come to realize that was probably just added as a um, as sort of inserting a textual note off to the side or something like that. Um, which is not to say that, that the Lord was healing the first person who came in all the time like it was magic. It, it, it is to say that that was that was probably um, it's probably realistic to say that was the superstition. Um, I don't know. We, we don't really have a, a, a a recorded instance of someone being healed uh, in that pool, but um, there there was a, a sort of a, a ruddy color to it. So there were some minerals uh, in that pool, and there was uh, it was which were said perhaps to be medicinal. Um, suffice it to say, the legend had it 
that if you were the first one in the pool when the water was stirred, why was the water stirred? Was it an angel of the Lord? Was it the spring was bubbling up? I, I, I don't know. But um, the legend had it, when the water was stirred, if you were the first one in, then you would be healed of whatever was ailing you. Isn't it interesting? Here's this guy, 38 years. They didn't get in line. You know, like, it wasn't like, okay, well, John's been here for 15 years, so he's next. And then, then they, you know, like, um, like, first in, you get healed, everybody else is the loser. Why wouldn't you just hang out at the edge? You know, like, it starts to move a little, you're, you're in. Like, I, you know, you're like, I, I don't... And, and, and we'll talk about... Well, I, I have an idea about that. We'll, we'll talk... We'll talk about it. There's a lot to be said about humanity in this passage. Uh, there's a lot to be said about Jesus in this passage. And we're going to we kind of go back and forth on humanity uh, and Jesus. So, so what we see is that um, uh, th- this sheep gate is actually two pools, Bethesda, uh, and it was uh, just barely north of the temple. If you can have in your mind uh, that sort of the Jerusalem was kind of shaped like this and the temple was up here just, just north of of the temple was was these two pools, and they had these. Um, there was a colonnade between them, and there was four colonnades around them. There, it called, and it was near the it was near the sheep gate, which is this little gate inside of the wall of Jerusalem that the sheep went in and out. And um, and so, um, and it was called Bethesda, and uh, and it says in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Now I don't, I can't tell you whether or not John is. Uh, is intentionally creating a caricature portrait of humanity or not in that. But but before God, we are. We're 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 in a sense we can't see, we can't walk, um, we can't. Uh, we are uh, unable uh, to uh, heal ourselves. And uh, you know what's interesting is this just comes on the heel of another um, uh, another miraculous healing. Um, in the end of chapter four, Jesus heals an official son. Uh, where um, he says, uh, you know, you're, I, I need you to heal my son. And, and Jesus says, unless you see the signs and wonders, you won't believe. And, and the, the guy says, uh, just come down before my child dies. And Jesus says, go, your child's going to live. And the next day he gets back home and his, his son is uh, alive. And it turns out he got better at, at, the, at the same hour. So right, there's another healing right back. And then right before that is the woman at the well. Interestingly in John, which is if you know about John, John spends over half his book on the, in the last week. Of Jesus, but here, so early on, chapter five, things are turning. So he's like, you know, he he's he's the healer. He he's the one who meets the woman at the well. But uh, but then, like things, the public opinion about Jesus is, is turning, uh, particularly in John, particularly the, the opinion with the with the uh, authorities, the Jew the Jewish authorities. And, and and you see in that, like you see it later in the passage too, just this the. Um, their, their hardness of heart. And so uh, whether or not John was trying to do it, it is a picture of um, humanity, the blind, the lame, uh, the paralyzed, all desperately wanting uh, healing. Now, I don't know if you can relate to that. This is why that the, this class is called Sabbath Healing and Onion Peeling because there's always that, that image of the onion. There's all, you peel the onion back and there's always another layer. Peel it back and there's another layer. Peel it back. And it's just, hey, if, if somebody like walked up to you because he didn't know who Jesus was, so he's just a guy, right? He looks look like you or me. He walks up and he says, "He says, do you want to be healed?" I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of like just sort of. I, I don't know what you, how you would react to that. It'd be kind of like if somebody says, "Hey, um, so you like black shoes?" 
I mean, you're wearing black shoes. You must like black shoes, right? I mean, you, he was at the he was he was at the the pool. Uh, so, do you want to be healed? Well, I'm at the pool. I'm at the healing pool, right? That's of course I want to be healed. Um, you know, I, I when somebody what 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 would you think of when somebody if somebody comes up to you and says, "Do you want to be healed?" Um, you probably think they were crazy, and do, are they asking for money? And and how can I get out of here? Um, what would you do if you knew it was Jesus? Do you want to be healed? What would you say? And there's so many layers. Um, I think, like, I, I, I love to run, and I have a big boot on my foot right now, and I can't. It's been hurting since August, and, and I, I, don't, I hope it gets better. I don't know. Do you want to be healed? Yes, I do want to be healed. My foot hurts, and I, um, I, I want it to be healed. But let's go deeper than that. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a parent. Um, do you want to be healed? Yes. You know, gosh, I want to quit. I want, I want, I want you to heal my kids. Um, I, I, <laughs> but I want you to heal me. Like I want to quit being frustrated with them. I want, I want to, uh, I want to. I, I get when I get frustrated, I have this. It, my mind becomes like um, quicksand. I can't. I'm very uh, or or rubber. Like I just can't. I'm not flexible. Um, uh, very little movement uh, in what I think. I just. I wish I, I wasn't like that. Uh, do you want to be healed? Let's take it a step further. Well, why do I get like that? Because I feel threatened and I feel insecure when, when they do things that I don't want to. I mean, this is, people are desperate for healing. And they, they were then and they still are. And that's why, that's why self-help books are, are an incredible, um, just an, an incredible um, uh, um, industry. Uh, that's why uh, Oprah and Dr. Phil and, and all of her little doctors, Dr. Oz, and um, <laughs> like all, all of the, because people want to be healed. What can I do? And that's how, honestly, like that's how we approach Jesus too, right? Like, what can you do for me? I am coming to this because I am I'm in desperate. Sh- and it's often how we sell Jesus. You know, you should really you're you're hurting. You should come to church because your your life will get a lot better. It might, you know, it might. Uh, you might have answers. What we can give you is hope. Right? What we can give you is that life, you weren't made for this, and life's going to get better in this life or the next. Um, but we are desperate for, for healing, and it's part of our fallen. It's part of, because before God, in some way, whether it's emotionally um, uh, we, uh, or, or physically or however, or any combination, we, we are blind and lame and paralyzed before the Lord. And you may feel like that. I feel like that as a parent. I feel like that as a priest sometimes. I feel uh, you may feel like that in your jobs, in your marriage. Um, blind, lame, paralyzed we're desperate for healing and we're and we'll kind of do anything right i mean like he, he he's this guy's put all his eggs in one basket right 38 years i've never gotten into the pool and and he listen i mean listen to his his uh I mean, his response do you want to be healed he doesn't say yes he doesn't say no he's just he is he is 38 years into resentment and grouchiness nobody's going to take me there I can't do it myself. I've tried. I, I don't know what to do. I mean, have you? Have you? I don't know if you've been there or not. Thirty. I mean, that's a long time. Thirty-eight years of it, what I want to be getting better is not getting better, and the only what the only thing I know to do, I can't do. And so what? So what? This is the end of hopelessness. Like he he has. He at first had hope, and now he's just kind of around it. He's not, you know, he, he doesn't, 
I don't know why he's not there. And what I think about that is that he doesn't really want to be healed. I mean, I think if, if Jesus really pressed him, and he and you were and you were seeing the inner monologue of this guy, he'd probably never say it, couldn't articulate it. But I think he probably doesn't want to be healed because it has become his identity. I, I um this is a, this is a, a sort of minuscule example, but I, I remember talking to this kid who was um who was walk, who was really walking with the Lord in um. Uh, and it, I was a young life leader in college, and I think it might have been right after college I was talking to him. But, um, but he and he he was really walking with the Lord. But he um, he smoked cigarettes, and I you know that I I care a lot more about that then than I do now. But um, but anyway, so we were talking about that, and he said, I know I need to quit, but I don't want to quit. And I said, well, why? I mean, why in the heck? Why wouldn't you want to? And he said, because it is so much of who I see myself as. And I said, but, but don't, you know, Stuart, don't you, don't you want to be healthy and, you know, your body's, I don't know, I was coming up with lots of, that's before I really understood law and grace, but I, um, I, I mean, you should, anyway, I don't need to get into that, do I? But, um, but anyway, so he wanted to quit, but he didn't want to quit. He wanted to quit, but he didn't want to quit. And I think, um, it, because it was his identity and he knew it wasn't good and he knew it would be better if he didn't do that, but he, and I don't know if he ever did or not, but. I just that's always stuck with me, and I see that in this guy, and I and I I see like if you really want if you really wanted to get healed, like I don't know how you're getting to the sheep gate if somebody's to the pool if somebody's bringing you there, but wouldn't you just tell them to go? Like I said, you tell them to put you on the very edge, okay? Like just put me on the edge, and I'm gonna stay here all night long and just bring me some food, and I will roll myself in when when it when the water stirs. But he doesn't. Now I don't know how it worked, but I, all I know is that like. He didn't. He didn't form friendships that might have helped him out. He was completely isolated. It was his identity. But here's what we see about Jesus. Like he totally. He just takes the initiative. He. Isn't it strange? That he steps over all these other invalids. Like what about all of them? But he comes up to this guy, and he says, "Do you want to be healed?" Well, I mean, it sounds like a silly question, but he never says yes. And he never says no. He just complains about his isolation. And some people really aren't happy unless they're complaining about something. Do you know? Do you, are you that person? I mean, you're not. But do you? Would you? Um, your neighbor is right. So, um, <laughs> you know, like they, they're your people just aren't happy. And that's that comes after just. It's not just. That's not just built into your personality. Some people may be more, more inclined to it than others. But it's it's a, it's it's um, it's, it's all about where you're putting your hope. So Jesus, he just takes the initiative um, where the paralyzed man could not. Not only because he was paralyzed, but because he, he was with, utterly without hope. He was utterly without hope. Um, and, and so Jesus comes, it's not, it's not embarrassing small talk. You know, do you like, so you like black shoes. Like he, it's, I mean, he comes in with this sort of interrupting authority. Do you want to be healed? And and that you know what do you want to be healed of? And so obviously it's the paralysis or whatever it is that is making him unable to get into the pool, right? But it's uh, or making him need the pool. But we see in it, we see in his response like there's so much more than that. Uh, that's the onion. That's that's the layers of, of the onion because it's all connected in our lives. Um, but Jesus doesn't wait for an answer. 
And thank God he doesn't wait for an answer for us. If Jesus came to me and said, do you want salvation before I knew Jesus? I would say yes, probably. I think I would. But I would, I would not mean what he meant when I, said, when I said yes. Do you want to be healed, Joe, of your sin? Well, yes, because that way I'd be much more productive. I would probably make a lot more money. I would, um, I would, do, uh, I would be a lot better at the things I'm at, and I wouldn't get so angry, which would be, you know, like I would, it, would all, it would still all be about me. Um, I, 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 would, I would not mean what Jesus meant when he said, do you want to be saved, if he came to me and asked that. So he doesn't wait for an answer. Praise God. You know, thank you so much, Lord, that you're not waiting for me to determine. If anybody says, see, Jesus says, do you want to be healed? The first thing that has to come is a desire, a recognition. No. The recognition comes with the initiative of Jesus. You couldn't know that you needed to be healed, much less wanted to be healed, if he didn't come to you first. Now, you could recognize your you know, physical paralysis, but you couldn't recognize your, you can't, we can't recognize your, our spiritual need before God. So Jesus doesn't wait for an answer. He just heals him. Get up. Take up, your, take up your bed. Take up your mat. And walk. And so he does. You know what's amazing? He doesn't say thank you. He doesn't say, hey, what was your name again? He doesn't even know. Okay. Hey, can we have lunch? Like, I want to hear more. You know, like, he doesn't, none, none, he doesn't do that. He does go to the temple. And so... Um, and so maybe he went to go offer sacrifice. Maybe he went um, uh, to praise God. I don't. I don't know. Maybe he was just on his way home. I, I don't know. But he doesn't know. Who, he doesn't thank Jesus. He doesn't. He just. He gets up and he probably is amazed. And Jesus may have disappeared. Maybe. Maybe Jesus slipped off into the crowd before. Before he could thank him. I don't, I don't know. We're not told either way because apparently that's not really. That's not really what's important. What's important is that. That he's taken his mat now through. This is another thing we see. Um, we see about uh, humanity in this. Uh, totally subjective. Uh, the inability to be objective. Um, uh, he is so. Fo- he's still so focused on himself. But, and you can understand it. Like 38 years of hopelessness, Jesus heals him. Like he still is himself. And I don't know if you've had the misfortune of still being yourself after Jesus came to you. Like I. Like I. Um, a, a lot of times. Um, you know, I, I wish, like, gosh, why, I, I've been walking with the Lord for 23 years. Why do I still struggle with this? And, and I, I, I think it, I mean, part of it is, is just because we continually need to know that we need the Lord. Like, I think that's why he doesn't heal us. Why did he heal this guy and not the rest of the guys? I don't know, because the healing... I, I, we're going to look at miracles in a couple of weeks, some big, sort of big miracles that, that Jesus did. Why didn't, why didn't he just heal everybody? I think probably because the point was made with one. Because the, 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 bene, the benefactor, this man, he, he wasn't the point of the miracle. It was the point, the glory of God. That, that was, that was what, that's the point of a miracle. Let me see, see if I can say that better. The point of a miracle is not to help the one who is helped, but to give glory to God. And you might say, well, he would have been, gotten all this glory if he healed everybody, and he healed lots of people. But he had a divine appointment with this guy. And, um, and John says, there are lots of other things he did, but I wrote these so that you would believe. So, um, so anyway, we'll talk more about miracles, and just, just that's one little aside. But So we see about humanity, he is unable to, he's still thinking about himself, because they, they, he's about to get in trouble. Now, he's not breaking a biblical law. For, nothing in the Bible says, 
on the Sabbath, you can't carry your mat. This was a man-made law to kind of try to expound. They had 39 different categories of law that they assigned to Sabbath holiness. It was all made up, right? It was kind of pseudo-biblical, um, but it was the law, and you weren't allowed to carry anything, and you couldn't lift anything over your shoulder. Well, uh, it, unless you were, it was an act of compassion. Like, so if anybody carried him to the sheep gate pool on the Bethesda pool that day, that would have been okay because it was an act of compassion. But, but for him to carry his own mat wasn't because he was carrying. So they say, hey, you, you can't do that. That's, it's, it's Sabbath. And he says, well, the, hey, don't blame me, right? The guy who healed me. Not, can you believe it? I was healed. Like, I'm 38 years. I've been, I've been, now I can walk. Hey. He just, I don't want any trouble. You know, like, I, he, there's no objectivity with this. I mean, the, the thing that was, was incredible, the thing that was in, incredible, he was, like, that's why I think he, Jesus had wrecked his identity by healing him. Now what am I going to do? Who am I going to be now? I'm not, well, I mean, isn't that, isn't that human? That, who am I going to be now? If I'm not the invalid, that's a that's a real crisis of personality. Thank God I got healed. I don't know myself anymore. It's gonna take some. It's gonna take some work. And this, he's old by Jerusalem standards in this day. So, so he's he's got to figure himself out. And I don't I don't know. We don't know how he did it. But all we know is he ducked the question. Don't blame me. Blame the guy who healed me. That's <laughs> really funny. But he just um, there's this pattern of of self interest. This sort of navel-gazing, which continues after he's healed. And I don't know about you, but I see that in myself. Um, he, what's interesting also is the Pharisees don't help at all. The religious people, you know, the, the, the law keepers. They're totally righteous, and they're totally into God, except they're really not. They're into their own righteousness. And they don't say, oh my gosh, what, you got healed? Wait, hold on a second. That you, I said, don't pick up your mat, and you say the guy that healed you said to pick up your mat. You got healed. They're like they're, they don't. You know how like in our baptismal covenant, we uh, when we do baptism, we say we respect the dignity of every human. They don't respect the dignity. They don't care that he just got healed. He's an invalid. He's a street person, right? The guy we, we step over to get to the things that are important in our life. That's probably a little hit a little too hard. Sorry about that. Um, I, I um. <laughs> Um, I, but I, see, I mean, I'm, I'm really speaking to myself. Um, the Pharisees, they don't, uh, they're concerned with the law. That's their job. And they don't care about his healing. So we, neither one of them cares about his healing. That's just so bizarre to me and so human, uh, so fallen. Um, so we're not, we're not, okay, so wait a second. So what you're saying, you're, it's not that you're breaking the law. There's somebody who's telling you to break the law. Who is that? I don't know. I don't know. About six feet tall, had a beard. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and okay, so here's what we then, we then what we see about Jesus. Jesus finds him again. So Jesus pursues him. He healed him. He continues to pursue him. And and I. This is what Jesus says. See, you're well. Where where am I? It's in red. I should be able to find it. Right. See you. See you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Here's what I see in this. This incredible balance of joy and sober awareness that Jesus had. He doesn't lose his joy in order to remind the guy about his life, but he doesn't, he doesn't lose his you know, 
aware, his awareness of sin and the need for righteousness in order to have joy. See, you're well. So the only one celebrating this is Jesus. You're right? You're well. But sin, uh, I, w- I want you to uh, sin no more so that something worse may not happen to you. Okay. Worse than what? Worse than 38 years of paralysis? I gotta see where I'm, where I am in this. Um, 38 years of, of paralysis. You know what's you know what's worse than 38 years of paralysis? The consequences of sin, <laughs> hell. Um, so is Jesus? Let me ask you this: Is Jesus saying that? Um, is Jesus saying that if you sin, then something worse will happen, or because you sin, 38 years of paralysis happen? It could be read that way, um, which is why Jesus has to take the initiative. If you take it like that, the other way that you could take it is like in Luke, where you know where the um, Jesus is talking about the the Tower of Siloam falls on the people and they, and they were killed, and they assumed that the people were killed because of some moral short fa- shortfall, and and they God had judged them. That they uh, and and Jesus says, unless you like uh, unless you repent, you all will likewise perish. What he's saying is, is uh, unless you, um, he, he he's not saying that you all have failed morally, uh, or, uh, or he's he's he is rejecting the myth that everything um, that happens bad is judgment, and that you're all going to die, and so you need to repent. You need to give yourself to the Lord. Like you're going to die. Your time's coming. All right. So, um, so I, I what I don't think he is saying there. That if you don't repent, something bad is going to happen to you. And I don't think he's saying here, if you if you stay out of sin, then um, then nothing bad is going to happen to you. But that the consequences of sin uh, are far worse than 38 years of frustration and hopelessness at the pool of Bethesda. And that's the that's the case for all of us. Now, what is what's the answer to that? It's not stop sinning, although you should stop sinning, and so should I, right? I was struck by something, and I'll probably, I don't know, if, you don't need to come to the 5 o'clock service. I know you're planning on, because I, I was just thinking about this, and, um, and I'll probably say it again tonight. But, um, but the, uh, I was struck by this in Andrew's sermon, that the good shepherd doesn't say, hey, quit being sheep. Stop being sheep, right? Like that, he, he's, he just, as a shepherd, like his solution to our sheepness is not saying stop being sheep. His solution is that he's the shepherd. Isn't that sweet? That's just so sweet. It's so kind. And it kind of makes me want to stop being a sheep. Like, it makes me want... It, it has the effect, but it's that kindness that... Rather than the, than the, than the law. That's grace and law. The law says, you know, I don't... I'm, okay, tell me. And tell your children, like, stop, you have to go to bed, right? And they don't want to go to bed. But if you... I haven't figured out how to love them into bed yet. But the... Um, the, um, the, the you know what I mean? I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, um, if you love your children... Uh, it is so much. More, it's so much more rewarding if they obey out of love than out of law, isn't it? It's so much more rewarding. That's the way I need to say it. It's so much more rewarding if they obey because they love you than because they have to. And um, and it's just so. It makes me want to obey because I love him, because he's loved me, rather than because I have to. Um, so 
so here's the, here's the last thing. So Jesus, um, uh, so again, like the the man, he he doesn't say, oh, thank you, Jesus, for for healing me. Uh, even now, he goes and tells on Jesus. Uh, oh, okay. So it was you asked who it was who told me to it was that guy over there. He's ticked, right? His identity's been wrecked. And, and it doesn't say that they asked Jesus anything, but he, still Jesus answered them, My Father's working until now, and I am working. My Father's working until now, and I am working. Which means, God, even on the Sabbath, right, God is still working. If God didn't work on the Sabbath, like the cosmos would fall apart. God is still working on the Sabbath. And because the Father is working, Jesus is working. Which is an incredible statement of his own divinity. Now, the, the class next week is called, actually titled, um, Did Jesus Say That He Was God? And that's an important question because you may hear in um, in in life that well, actually, Jesus never claimed to be God. Well, we'll see in the second half of chapter five that he he actually did. Is what got him killed. Um, and um, but the uh, the amazing thing here is that Jesus uh, aligns himself uh, with the will of the Father. He actually brought to the man the thing that the Sabbath was designed to bring. The Sabbath was given for rest and recreation and restoration. And that is what Jesus brought to this man. Rest, restoration, recreation. And that, that Jesus is our Sabbath. He is our, the gospel is our rest. And the reason that he is our rest is because he does exactly what, he is perfectly aligned with the Father. So we see the, the, the kindness of God and the judgment of God meeting their intersection uh, in Jesus. This joy and this sober awareness, love and the cross, judgment of God poured out. That's, wh- that's where uh, Jesus is where uh, we find our Sabbath rest. He is our Sabbath. Uh, he is the place uh, where we work and work and work. He's our seventh day. He is the one in whom we, we rest. Um, bells are ringing, so it's time for time for us to to go. Uh, let me just let me uh, conclude with prayer, and um, and then if you have, we can stand around and talk afterwards if you, if you want to. But um, some some of you need to go to church. Heavenly Father, thanks so much. Thank you that you are our rest. Thank you that apart from anything that we could do for ourselves, you took the initiative to speak into us. That even after you've spoken to us, that we still. Um, navel gaze. We still uh, look into our uh, into our own circumstance, and yet you love us still. You're the one who has joy, and you're our Sabbath rest. Lord, teach us to love you and to obey from a heart of love. Thank you for being our good shepherd uh, when we are sheep. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, bless us and save us, forgive us of our sins, that we might love you and serve you more each day. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.